The Wicked Smart Sports Guys is brought to you by SellMaxBatteries.com, as always, the go-to website for all your battery needs. Sellmax Batteries compares in quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, Sellmax Batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, remote controls, gaming tools, headphones, still cameras, hearing aids, smoke lamps, whatever device you need a battery for, Sellmax is the best batteries at the best price for your device. Order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries for only $5.99, or a 24-pack of ultra-alkaline, ideal for all kinds of gaming high-tech devices, at just $12.99. Order today and use coupon code BOSTON, that's coupon code BOSTON, all uppercase, and save 20% off your entire order. Once again, that's coupon code BOSTON, all uppercase, to check out and save big today. Sunmicebatteries.com, C-E-L-L-M-A-X-Batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. And the Wicked Smart Sports Guys is also now brought to you by manscaped.com, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming out there. You're never going to find something better than Manscaped. Okay, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. 2 million men worldwide. Why aren't you going to Manscaped, okay? You're not going to do what 2 million men... Like, listen, listen to the masses, okay? Manscaped does it right. And we have an exclusive offer, okay? If I haven't convinced you enough, we have an exclusive offer so you can get these even, even lower price on Manscaped, 20% off and free shipping. 20% off and free shipping if you use code WSSG. That's code WSSG at manscaped.com. You're going to want to head over there. Just check out the Lawnmower 3.0. I mean, it's that—that that is really what you're gonna want. It comes inside the the perfect package 3.0, which comes with everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. And the lawnmower 3.0. I mean, if you need a razor, you need the lawnmower 3.0. And with our 20% off code, you can get it even cheaper. Like that's that's the thing to buy. So get 20% off and free shipping again with code WSSG at Manscaped.com. 20% off free shipping. Use our code WSSG. Unlock your confidence and always. Use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks as always to Dollar Dreams for the intro music. And this week, we're joined once again by one of the most popular guests on this podcast over the last month, two months, three months, four months, whatever you want to say, founder of Bannertown USA, doing a lot of stuff over at Guy Boston Sports too. Shout out to him. Jack Simone, at JackSimoneNBA on Twitter. Go get him a follow. Jack, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. All right, Jack. Let's just, I mean, you've gotten a chance now to see pretty much your full team after after the trade deadline, okay? Uh, you got one opportunity to do so. What do you think? You know, what what do you think what do you think of your team right now? Because this is what this is it. This is it for the rest of the season. Pretty much, you know, who knows what's gonna happen on the buyout market. Doesn't sound like much much of significance. I know the Demarcus Cousins things are floating out there, like who knows what's gonna happen with that. But I, I mean, don't get me started on Demarcus Cousins this all this like talk about the boy who cried wolf. Uh, but okay. Um, what do you think of your team as a whole? Give me your give me your thoughts on it. Right, do you do you feel do you feel good about it at all? Do you feel good about this team, this group? Um I'll preface it by saying I'm intrigued by the addition of Romeo Langford and then Tristan Thompson back into the mix. I'm not saying that like that makes, you know, the the largest effect in the world. So obviously last night was a pretty good indication of how well the Celtics are going to do. But overall, I feel fine. Um obviously that that was Evan Fournier is probably worst game of his career. Um I think if you watch basketball, you know Evan Fournier is a better player than that. Everyone has off games. The man was on a flight to OKC, got a false positive test, had to fly all the way back. And Brad Stevens said after the game they're not going to make an excuse for it, but I think that was 
I don't think that's going to happen again. That's not Devin Forty the Celtics are going to get. He'll be much better in the future. Uh, I'm going to chalk it up <clears throat> to nerves being in a new city or whatever. I thought it was kind of lame that the 2,500 fans booed him, but, you know, to each their own. And then Marcus Smart game, again, that was probably one of the worst games of his career as well. I mean, he just, he blew, everything blew up in his face. It was like he was back at Oklahoma State. So overall, those two pieces concern me, but if they can pick it back up, I think this team will be just fine. Because like we saw uh, in that second Bucks game in OKC, I'm looking at those two games as the indicator for the rest of the season rather than this Pelicans game. Yeah, well, you know what the issue was, Jack, is that uh, I know you, you know your guy. I know Tim uh, sent us this set the other day. What was it that that Grant that Celtics are five and one when Grant Williams plays twenty five plus minutes? They only played him twenty three minutes, Jack. That was the issue. Was that they you know they, they left him they left him short. If they had just played him two more minutes, they they would have had it. Hey, I mean. To Grant's credit, he was playing some solid defense on Zion, and there, there was that one clip of him going straight up with him, and Zion still put it in. But, I mean, the guy was playing as good of defense as you could have hoped to play on Zion, outside of maybe Luke Cornett, which sounds like I'm being ironic, but Luke Cornett did really play some good defense too. So I was going to ask you about all these guys. I mean, you mentioned, you you already brought up uh, Evan Fournier, so let's just talk about that a little more. I mean, I was a big proponent of trading for Evan Fournier. I liked Evan Fournier. I still like Evan Fournier. But that was... That was uh... That was pretty bad. I mean, like you said, that might have been the worst game of his career. And you can, you know, you can make excuses for him, but, like, it's not a great start. It's not a great start. Not what you want to, like, see, especially for him to have that in his first game as a Celtic. Like, and you mentioned the whole booing thing. I mean, I'm not going to get too much on fans for that because, I, I mean, I, don't, I feel like it's less about Fournier and more about, I mean, people have been wanting to boo this team for a while this season. So I feel like that was some of what the whole game was about to some extent even. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, they had to let it all out. It's been a rough season. But yeah, Evan Fournier, 0 for 10 from the field, 0 for 5 from 3. Like I said, I mean, the guy's shooting 46% and 39% this season on his shooting splits so I, I can't imagine that it stays like that I like I said I'm chalking it up to whether it's nerves you know rust getting used to a new city the flights he had to take I guarantee you this is not <laughs> going to be a consistent thing for Evan Fournier he's a he's a bona fide bucket he's done it against the Celtics for years so I, I'm not in the slightest bit concerned about Fournier even after such a horrid performance well here's an interesting thing about Fournier is that you know I I wonder how much of this has to do with the fact that he's coming off the bench because if you look at his career, he hasn't come off the bench since like 2017. And even that season, he only did it twice. And then in 2016, he started 71 to 79 games. So like he's really been a starter for like five or six years now. I wonder how much of it and I don't know if you're going to, you're, and, and I guess hopefully the, 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 like at more at the end of the day, the, the final answer is kind of just like, or the final solution is just like, he just, he has to get used to it. He better get used to it because that might not change. But he's been a starter for, you know, five, six years in a row now, consistently every night starter. And I wonder how much of this has to do with like, he just was so uncomfortable in that role. Yeah, I feel like that could have something to do with it. Um, I, I will say maybe putting smart back on the bench and bringing 40 into that starting lineup might help a little bit um smart's been really solid for the celtics though uh, other than you know last night but uh, yeah like you said if fournier coming off the bench is the plan for brad stevens and danny Ainge, then he just has to get used to that role um as i mentioned i'm not panicking in the slightest over his poor shooting performance i think he'll be fine 
But he did play at the end of the game, which I liked. I liked that Brad Stevens was like, okay, we know you're having an off night, but you're still one of the best shooters on this team. We're still going to have you in in the final minutes of the game. Because he is that type of player. He is the player that can come in, make an impact, hit some shots, and, you know, play okay defense, playmaking, handle the ball. Like, he's an all-around solid player. He's he's the Hayward replacement without, you know, as good of defense as Hayward has. And last night was just not a good showing in his Celtics debut. And maybe it's not just the bench thing, like, I mean, and I, I say maybe, I, I think it's it's also fair to include the fact that he's never played with these guys before ever, like at all, like not even practice. I mean, like you said, he just, he got off the plane in OKZ and it was go time and he went on the court and I think that has a lot to do with it too. I mean, it's just, it's a very uncomfortable situation to be placed into. Yeah, 100%. And most players don't jump in with their new team and play well immediately. I mean, even look at Kemba Walker last year. Everyone remembers his, you know, TD Garden debut against the Raptors where he played well. But if you look at his game against Philadelphia, the first game of the season, he was he was horrible. I mean, he everyone was talking about, oh, Kemba's washed now as soon as he gets to the Celtics. Evan Fournier will be just fine. I'm not worried about it. Everyone struggles in their first couple games. I, I think he'll bounce back next game. And I, I think the Celtics still have plenty of faith in him. So... Uh, I'm not worried. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too worried either. I mean, I, I, I still, I mean, like you said, it's still a small sample size. It's one game, and I want, I want to see what happens, you know, over over the course of, you know, the the rest of the season here. And and 0 for 10, by the way. I mean, just if we can like assume that it's not going to be that bad going forward. Like if that's his kind of, you know, if that's his usage, if that's how much they're going to use him, 10 shots a night, 11 shots a night. Like I think that's pretty solid too. I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty happy. With that, uh, with, with that workload, and that was even on a night where he wasn't hitting, they were getting him those shots. So you have to imagine if he's feeling it, you know, he might get 12, 13 shots a night, and that he could produce easily, you know, 14, 15 points a night on that, which is kind of what I expected after the trade was made. Yeah, I agree. And with Fournier, the way I envisioned it uh, when he got traded to the Celtics, I-, I figured like maybe 14, 15 shots a game, even like right behind Tatum and Brown, him and Kemba like switching off for that, you know third scoring option role because Evan Fournier is averaging more points than Kemba this season just because Kemba had a better game last night like Fournier this season like arguably has been the better player and obviously over the course of time Kemba is clearly the better player but this season if you're just looking at this year specifically there is an argument to be made so whoever gets those scoring looks I'm happy with either of them taking the shots I don't know if I totally agree with you on that just because um you know Fournier was the number two scoring option in Orlando and Kemba was number three here. I mean, his percentages are, are better. I still think that, I mean, I don't think your argument is that Fournier is going to supplant him as their third scoring option, is it? I think he could. Uh, I mean, not consistently, but I mean, like you switch off any any given night. I, I'm saying if Evan Fournier is your third scoring option half the time and Kemba is the other half the time, I, I don't see an issue with that, nor do I see uh, like a complaint. Like, I don't have a complaint for that because you you mentioned that he was the second scoring option in Orlando. Yes. But, I mean, at the same time, Kemba Walker's percentages are just in the dirt. And he's had flashes of good games, but there's been no consistency whatsoever. And you can you can take a look at this, you know, 0-10 Fournier game as, oh, he's inconsistent. But throughout the course of the rest of the season, he's been extremely consistent, and his percentages show that. So I'm just saying, don't be surprised if some of the games Kemba takes another step back or they flip-flop in that third scoring role. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that, I mean, and I've brought this up before with you, is like the, this whole thing of Kemba and it getting more consistent and stuff like that. It's like, I feel like he's been more consistent than people give him credit for because there has been consistent improvement over a larger sample size. Like, if you look at his month, month uh, monthly splits this season, 
he shot 37% in January, 39% in February, and 41% in March. So he's gotten like 2% better from his field goal percentage each month. And it's gone up and it's approaching, you know, what you would expect from Kemba, from, you know, a high usage volume shooter at guard, like to shoot around, you know, at like 41.3%, which is what he's shooting in March. Like, that's not terrible for, you know, for the guy that he is, you know, that's that. And I don't know what, uh, I'd have to go back and look at his career averages, but like, that's not too far below his career average. I think his career field goal percentage is like 41.8. So that's, that's right around where it is. So I feel like Kemba, you know, as much as it hasn't been perfect, I feel like it's been a lot, like, you know, there are people out there that really are saying like, he's the worst contract in the league, he's one of the worst contracts in the league. Like, I don't think that's remotely true. I think he's still... If I, you know, if I, like, try to, you know, grade, I don't know, I still think he's, you know, maybe not a fringe all-star, maybe not that level, but, like, a, the step below that now is where I think he's he's at talent-wise. Like, and maybe it can still even go up from there. I don't know. But as far as Fournier goes, I just can't see a world in which he is even splitting time with Kemba as that third scoring option. Like, I feel like the role that uh, like he's that he's going to be in I, I don't know maybe maybe you think less of Kemba than I do I just think that I, I, I have a hard time believing he's actually going to to uh, step over Kemba in that role not just because of uh, who Kemba is and I, who, who I think Fournier is but also I just think positionally you know it, it does work a little easier when you have Brown and Tatum to have Kemba be that guy I think Fournier might struggle to to find looks as you know the third wing in that in that rotation. Yeah, I mean the way I see it is Jason Tatum has been playing mainly power forward this year, and that's what he played last year too. And so you slot Brown and Fournier in at the two and the three, and then I, I'm not saying Fournier is a better player than Kemba Walker because I don't believe that. I don't think he is, and I don't think he will be until you know Kemba starts to decline a little more, which I think probably will happen in the near future. That's just the trajectory of point guards. I mean it happens unless you're Steph Curry or freakishly athletic which Kemba is not either um and I don't I don't dislike Kemba either I just think if you look at his numbers throughout the course of his career his career average like you said is 41.8 but in years past like his all-star years it was 43 or 44 43 42 now it's 39 okay but do you so do you think the improvement that I'm pointing out month to month is is like fool's gold or something I just don't think it's it's not consistent enough to be a third scoring option consistently like yes some nights he'll clearly be the second third first like top three scoring option but i'm just saying i won't complain if evan fournier takes those shots some nights because i think he has just as good as ability to score as kemba does this season but it doesn't sound like you have hope that that's continue or that's going to be that's going to continue or that's a trend or anything like that like because if we're you know treating this like some sort of trend that he's getting better as the season goes along then it would stand to reason that you know he's going to make another small you know leap this month in april uh this upcoming month and if he can improve by, you know, even one more percent in his field goal percentage or two more percent, like then he'll be up around that 43 that you're that you're looking for, at least for the month, you know. And if he's that player currently, you know, he's shaken off the rust from the, those first two months of the season. And, you know, now that's what he's going to be going forward. Then, you know, that should give you a, a little more hope. It just doesn't sound like you think that's going to happen. I feel like he'll plateau around 40, 41 percent for the year and his three point percentage will be fine. But I'm just saying with the consistency outside of last night, it's not the best, you know, game to base my argument on. But outside of last night's once in a lifetime performance for Fournier, he's been a much more consistent, you know, scorer. And I think the way 
the volume with which he shoots the ball fits into that third option role better than Kemba does because I think Kemba is better fit as a first or second option. But with Brown and Tatum on the team, he's just not going to get as many opportunities to do so. Yeah, I just I, I find it hard to believe that that Fournier is going to get the shots to match that. I don't. Know. I, I mean, I, I just think Kemba is especially running the offense is going to kind of dictate when he's going to get his shots. Is until the Celtics take that away from him, uh, that's not going to be the case. But I want to get to somebody else now, real quickly, because um, I want to talk about Luke Cornett. Because you were, <laughs> I'm still trying to understand this. You seemed actually kind of excited <laughs> about Luke Cornett. It seemed like you actually liked the deal yeah. for him. But then you you backtracked a little when we were talking about you. Like, oh, I'm just joking. You're like the unicornet, and then you stopped talking about. Like, did you actually like this move? Did you actually like this player? Or were you just joking? Like, what? I'm, I'm trying to understand it because he's actually played well here early on. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I. I, I dismissed him immediately, almost immediately, but he's he's actually like showing a little something now. Yeah, I'm not going to come out here and say, like, oh, yeah, I knew he was going to be amazing because, like, I was half-joking just in case it blew up in my face, but I did know who he was. I did know he was a good shooter. I knew about him from his time in New York, and I knew that New York really liked him, and the Knicks fan base, as bad as the team has been in years past aside from this year, is really harsh when it comes to players. Like, they'll dislike you. They'll, like, crap on you if you play bad. Like, Julius Randle last year, New York hated him, and now he's the love of their life. So for them to take a liking to a guy like Luke Cornett, I'm like, okay, he has to do something right, right? He has to, you know, bring some sort of energy, some sort of consistency for them to like him. So uh, I knew the name, and so a part of me was like, hey, maybe he can do something here. I I will say I probably – I assumed Mo Wagner would bring more of an impact because I also knew him from his time at Michigan. Again. but th- there was a little piece of me that was like hmm l- let me just bring up the name Luke Cornett real quick I, I don't want to you know write him off as a nothing yet um yeah I mean I I remember Luke Cornett's time with the Knicks too I just think that you know part of the reason why I was so dismissive of it is because he was still a bench player you know and a guy that wasn't playing that much what was he playing like 17 minutes a night on a Knicks team that was one of the worst in the NBA, one of the worst teams in, in the entire league. So when you're, you know, uh, like b- barely able to make that roster, you know, all you can really do is you're, you're a decent enough stretch five. Like I kind of look at it and I'm like, you know, I, I don't think he's going to make much of an impact on a contending team. You know, I don't think that that's really, I mean, he was, yeah, he played 17 minutes a game for the Knicks in 2018-19 when they had the, well, the worst record in the NBA. So I wasn't too, like, I wasn't thinking, oh, he's going to play a significant role now. For, and I know he was young then, people can grow, but even still, like, I wasn't thinking now, oh, yeah, Luke Cornett's going to going to be this impact player for the Celtics. And, he you know, he wasn't doing this much this season either. So, you know, I, for Chicago. So, you know, I had no reason really to believe that that it was going to turn into much of anything. And all of a sudden, you know, he's gotten to Boston and he's made, made a few nice plays. I still don't know that that'll continue. Um, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really buy into uh, much of it, but I mean... I think at least for now, at least as of today, like if he wants to, if, if Brad Stevens decides, hey, I, I want to play this guy over, you know, Mo Wagner a little bit, like I think he's earned that much. And like, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm not like committing to Luke Cornette now, but you know, I, I, I'm, uh, he's, he's piqued my interest for sure. I mean, yeah, realistically, I would say he are, has already overtaken Mo Wagner in the depth chart. I think Mo Wagner, I know uh, our friend Tim says this a lot, he can play the four, and I think that could be a better role for him. But uh, when the Celtics traded for Luke Cornett, I went back to look at the stats from those next days because, like I said, I remember watching it. But regardless of how good the team was, shooting 35 and uh, 36% respectively in his first two seasons on around four threes a game, 
that's not bad, especially for a guy who's seven foot two, really long, can protect the rim. I mean, just look at him in the past two Celtics games. He, granted, Moses Brown isn't a big name, but he was having a big night. And Luke Cornett came in and was like, "Nope, I'm shutting you down at the rim. I'm gonna box out. I'm gonna hustle." He did the same thing in the Pelicans game the other day. He was d- doing great job of standing straight up at the rim. I mean, Brad Stevens mentioned it in his post game interview after the Thunder game. He said, "Yeah, we've had our eyes on Luke Cornett for a few years because <clears throat> he can shoot the three and he can defend the pick and roll." And look what. Luke Cornett's coming and done. He's shot threes really well, and he's defended the pick and roll really well. So if he can do that, he doesn't need a large role in Boston to make a huge impact. He can be that, you know, second or third fringe second center off the bench to, you know, bring you those hustle plays, make those shots, confuse the defense. Like there was a play last night. I noticed the commentary team say it that Jackson Hayes couldn't decide whether to guard Kemba on a layup or guard Luke Cornett for a three. That alone is going to get him on the court, right? So even if he plays like he's playing right now 13 minutes a game, he can make a big impact in those minutes, and I like him for the Celtics. Yeah, I'll say that. I mean, it's nice to have somewhat of a true stretch five for the first time since they had Al Horford, since Al Horford left town, because they've they've tried to put Tice out there, and it's been fine, but it hasn't really been... A real threat teams are fine leaving him open so having having Cornette as an option that you can throw out there is good I still think that it's important to temper the expectations a little bit they got this guy for pretty much nothing for a reason he was kind of a throw-in and you know I I don't envision him making I don't know the big impact that, that you're saying I think he can have some impact but I, I still like there's a this guy's still you know end of the bench ninth tenth guy kind of a best like I don't I don't envision him being like you know, you said they're, you know, second, like, you know, uh, fringe second, third center, you know, I, but what is that really? I mean, what, you know, what are we talking about? Like, if he can play that role fine, good, then, then great, like, then fine, then you got yourself a good third center, but it's not like we're talking about, you know, a player that's, it's gonna, that they, they just found like a diamond in the rough or anything like that. You found a fine, deep role piece, but that's not gonna move the needle much. No, and what, what I meant by that is once Tristan Thompson does get back, I assume he'll get those second center minutes. Robert Williams is gonna start, or whatever role you wanna put them in. If Brad decides to start Tristan, I'll disagree with it, but it is what it is. Those two are gonna be one and two, and then Mo Wagner and Luke Cornett will probably switch off. Um, if they need a guy who can stretch the floor a little bit better, I'd put Luke Cornett in and you need the defense. If you need pure scoring and you need like energy, draw charges, obviously that's Mo Wagner, but you don't need Luke Cornett to be your backup center. Cause that's Tristan Thompson and or Robert Williams, whatever they decide you need him for nights where you need a stretch five. You need to, you know, space the floor a little bit more and he can go in play those 10, 13 minutes. Like you said, he won't make a monumentous impact, but he'll make just enough of an impact where it will help the Celtics, like at least a little bit in a very specific need. And that, that's important. Sometimes you need, a, you need at least one to stretch five on the roster. And he, he fills that role pretty well. You know, it's interesting. Cause I was thinking about this as related to Cornette and Wagner. Cause I think that both are maybe more, they're more skilled than Tice and they're, they're a little bit more, uh, you know, at least Wagner, I don't know about Cornette, but a little bit more raw talent, maybe potential, because Tice came over and, you know, not to throw the cliches out there, but a guy that, you know, hard work, hustle, that kind of, you know, those kind of characteristics is, is kind of what, what got him to the NBA as a guy that was undrafted. I mean, I, I hate to be so cliche about it, but I mean, that that was a huge part of it. And, you know, those those guys we've already seen, like, they there's a little bit more there in terms of actual, you know, shooting touch, everything like that. So, uh, you know, I don't know if that's going to be uh, how, how if that's what the Celtics need because on the surface of it I think they could need more of what Tice brings you know the hustle the grit and stuff like that but that wasn't having the desired impact on the team they weren't playing with that that kind of style so maybe these guys can do more for them or maybe not more for them than Tice but he can they can do more things that they need 
than Tice could, who was giving them, giving them, you know, solid, you know, solid performances night and night. I'm certainly like was having a really great season and a guy I wanted to keep, but maybe it's just not what they needed right now, you know, for this team this season. Yeah, and that's fair. I will say Tice won a couple, you know, defensive player of the years. I'm pretty sure he won Euroleague MVP or something like that over in Europe, but. Like you said, they're not playing with the same hustle and defensive grit, which I think is a problem that they have in years past. And so a guy like Cornette and Mo Wagner, you know, come stretch the floor a little bit more efficiently than Tice. Maybe it does help, especially when you want to consider giving Robert Williams those starter minutes, which he has excelled in. So it's like a trade-off, plus the luxury tax reasons, which I don't love. But, you know, it, it, it's a reason. But look, if Cornette wants to keep playing like this, like, great. I'm not going to stop him. Believe me, like, this is – I just – I don't think it'll keep up, but, hey – Keep going for it. And, hey, one one nickname I haven't heard. I, I, I like the nicknames, you know, the Murder Cornet, uh, like all that stuff. Uh, cor- like, But the one I've come up with that I want to hear more people say, Corzingis. Come on. How about, like, uh, <laughs> throwing a little, you know, like a little, you know, people, people love one and always want Corzingis on themselves. Now they got Corzingis, right? Oh, man. Let him be his own person. Oh, <laughs> it's a good comparison, though. <laughs> come on. There you go. Hey, you know, he's got the same height, right? Same the, the, that shooting touch, like listen, you got you got him, you got your man. That's all I'm saying. I mean that. I mean, come on. You say you be on person. It's not like we don't compare players all the time. I mean, I'm telling you, Corzingis. I mean that you know that, that that's that's gonna stick. That's I'm gonna get that going. Uh, you know, Luke Corzingis is what what it's gonna be from now on. Um, but anyway, another nickname to throw on it, uh, throw on the pile. I, so all right, let's talk about uh, what you think the outlook now for the season is because I mean, things are still. As we, you know, do this kind of check-in after, you know, uh, three, but they've had three games since the trade line. And, and that game against the Bucks, you know, that was pretty encouraging. You know, and this one, you know, you, you would have liked them to see them continue it here. But, you know, they sit now 23-24 and 24 and 7th in the East. I mean, still, you know, about a game out of fourth place. And they've, they've hung around that same kind of area. Those, there's, uh, you know, for as much time that has passed, those teams 4 through 9 in the East are not... Not, not separating themselves from each other at all. It's still very, you know, muddled in that area. So do you think they could be a team that pulls away here? Do you think they could be, you know, that one of these teams is eventually going to pull away here? If not them, like, I mean, you know, when are we going to see the, the playoff picture actually start to take shape here? And do you have any faith that the Celtics can be the ones to kind of, you know, vault themselves ahead of the pack based on, you know, what you've seen from this team so far this season? Like, do you think some sort of push is coming like that um out of all of the teams that are you know pushing for that playoff spot i think the celtics and or the heat have the best chance and you could say like oh that's because they were in the playoffs last year and yes it is because they were in the playoffs last year like they have guys on their rosters who knows what it takes to make that playoff push jimmy butler has been there many of times with the bulls he's there with the heat you know jason tatum jalen brown have made two and three eastern conference finals respectively they know how to get to the playoffs and you see teams like the Hawks, the Knicks, the Hornets. I'm, I I have faith that those guys could be in the play-in, the playoffs. But I'm just saying if you're looking at guys or teams, I'm sorry, to make that four or five, six seed and guarantee themselves a playoff spot, I would assume or I would like to hope that the vets who have been the playoffs, and it's weird to call Jason and Jalen vets, but at least Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, right? 
those guys are going to be the ones to make the push. And the same goes for Jimmy Butler with his pairing of Bam Adebayo and now Victor Oladipo. So I think those those two teams are the most likely to make that push. The Pacers are a mess, but I, I think they'll at least be in the play-in. And if you're talking about that sixth seed, I think it'll go to one of Hornets, Knicks, Hawks, and one of those two three teams plus Celtics and Heat will round out four, five, six uh, in the East. That that'd be my guess at least. All right, I do want to talk about some other NBA stuff before we wrap things up. Maybe a little bit uh, earlier here than we usually do. Uh, one of the things on that list is the Brooklyn Nets, who, you know, on the buyout market. They've been busy. They caught Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge, and I'm sure, you know, the whole, like NBA Twitter, just let's lose their collective minds after they get Aldridge and Griffin. I mean, what was your reaction to those two signs? Because I, I think people are just maybe overreacting just a touch. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you. I mean, I think I came on when they signed Blake Griffin and my reaction was Joe Harris is more important. And I'll double down and say Joe Harris. I saw a tweet. I forget. I would wish I could credit the person who tweeted this out. But Joe Harris, Jeff Green and um, uh, Nick Claxton, I saw. But Bruce Brown, maybe even are more important than Blake Griffin and or Marcus Aldridge. It's just the way the team is constructed. You need spacing. And while Aldridge will give them a decent backup, maybe third center with Nick Claxton there. It, it's like people are reacting. He's, he's 35. It's not going to be the end of the world for us the league. The guys you need to be worried about are MVP James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. Like, stop complaining about LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin when they have James Harden putting up arguably his best season in the last five years. And he's not scoring the ball as much, but who needs him to score that much when he's averaging 11.5 assists and making the impact he is? It's just... They're worrying about the wrong people, and it's ironic, but yeah, I, I'm not... It annoyed me when it happens, because it's just like, okay, they're just getting even more depth, but it's not like they're getting all-star LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah, I, and I think that's what's what's so funny about it, is because people are acting like they are. People are coming out and saying, like, oh, all this, like, you know, the, the, they're acting like it's like, the, this is the equivalent of the Warriors getting Kevin Durant. Like, that collectively, them getting Griffin and Aldridge is like what the Warriors got when they got Durant. And it's like, these, you know... Aldridge was averaging like 13 points per game this season with the Spurs and like what 11 games or something like that and and Griffin like these guys were, were they literally both of these players the Spurs and Pistons and the Pistons were a different cases the Pistons are tanking so you can make a different argument there the Spurs are trying to win and they paid LaMarcus Aldridge to get off of their team <laughs> they paid him to say we don't want you to play for us so the idea that the that the Nets are somehow like getting this this you know ready-made like player that's that's, per, that's still like close to any anywhere close to his all-star levels is insane and like i've been pretty critical on twitter of like the lakers fans who are making a big deal of this because the lakers fans want to make it a thing of lebron versus durant and oh durant like look at all this help durant needs if lebron got all this help people would be so mad and stuff like that it's like do you realize like and and like you mentioned Kyrie harden and, and durant so i i'm not gonna argue that um, you know, the Lakers' third best player is better than the Nets' third best player, because that's just not true. But, like, as far as the rest of it goes, as far as their, their you know, other pieces around this, their superstar players, like, <laughs> Dennis Schroeder and Montrezl Harrell, of all the non-superstars, might, might be the next two players I would pick. Like, I don't know that I would pick anyone else on the Nets over those two guys. I, you know, you mentioned Joe Harris, like, I guess that could be close, but, like, it's not like the Lakers are like, 
you know, it's not like LeBron's playing with, you know, the Washington Generals or, you know, the Looney Tunes or however you want to say. Like, the the, the 2018 or the 2017-18 Cavaliers or 18-19 Cavaliers, whatever it was. Like, this, you know, this uh, Lakers roster is not like, you know... <laughs> it's not lacking for supporting for a supporting cast and to act like oh my god how are we supposed to beat this Nets team now that they have LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin it's like you know it's it's ridiculous and it's it's almost uh it's almost gaslighting people into thinking you know oh yeah once the Lakers do win now it's like look at what we were able to accomplish beating this super team and it's like you know, your argument would have been better if you'd never made LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin a part of it and you just focused on, like, what you said, the big three of it. But it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's ridiculous what they're, what the picture they're trying to paint here. Yeah, I agree. And LaMarcus Aldridge just pulled up his stats. He's averaging the least rebounds of his entire career, including his rookie season. He's averaging four and a half. He's averaging the second least points over the course of his entire career after his rookie season. And on the Lakers front, they just got Andre Drummond. So <laughs> their supporting cast is getting better and better. And I would say easily Schroeder, you know, Montrezl Harrell, Marcus Gasol's not having a good season, but he's there too. Uh, they got Andre Drummond now, Kyle Kuzma even, who everyone makes a joke about, but he's not a bad NBA player, over Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge any day. And uh, yes, the Nets, you know, traded away their entire future and most of their young assets for – James Harden, but that's well worth it for them. So the Lakers fans complaining make absolutely no sense to me. They're being ridiculous. Um, all right, there's there's a few more teams I want to talk about. We talked about kind of the, that middle of the Eastern Conference playoff picture. I want to talk about like the the bottom of it for a second, because that play in it's a little depressing. I mean, you know, as as and I know you brought it up before, like we just talked about the Spurs a little bit. They're in eighth in the West. If they were in the East, they'd be in fourth place right now. They wouldn't even be tied for fourth. They'd be. Uh, right there in fourth and it, you know at like it, the play-in makes sense in the west because the warriors are 10th right now they're hovering right around 500 in the east it's just like i mean it's just it, like i think that the, the bulls are seven games under 500 now that said i am intrigued by the teams potentially competing for that spot which right now are the bulls the raptors and the wizards because the bulls as we know just got a whole lot better with Nikola Vucevic. the raptors i still think that they have they have the talent there they could potentially be a like I, they wouldn't if I was you know the Celtics who are in the seventh seed right now like I wouldn't you know I, I would rather much rather play like the you know any of these other teams than than the Raptors I'd rather play the Knicks than the Raptors in this plan or something like that you know that that would scare me a little bit and the Wizards still with with Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook like there's still some intriguing storylines so just real quick on those three teams like. I mean, it feels to me like it should definitely be the Bulls but that, that make it just because of the improvements they've made, and they are obviously in pole position right now, just you know, two games ahead of the Raptors on, on that spot. I st- but all of these teams really intrigue me, and I feel like even though the, the record isn't great, like we could end up getting some good play-in games as a result. Yeah, I agree. And the sad part is you can't even really count out the Cavs either. <laughs> like the Cavs are a game behind the Wizards. I don't think they have nearly as good of a chance. But Sexton's been an absolute monster this season. I think trading Andre Drummond will only open up, you know, room for Jared Allendiger. I know they weren't playing him, but regardless. So if I had to personally choose uh, teams that I think will vault into those spots, I do think the Bulls will hover around nine ten for the rest of the season. I, I feel like the Raptors have a push coming. I mean, sorry, the Wizards have a push coming. Uh, and I, I'm slowly losing faith in the Raptors, too. They just seem like they're falling apart at the seams. 
it's tough to choose because you do have those teams like the Hornets, Knicks, and Hawks up there in four, five, six right now. But they could very easily go on a stretch where they just start losing, and, and they could fall to. 13 in like two weeks which is crazy that the east is that close but like i said before i do think the celtics heat and then one of those three teams hornets knicks hawks will end up four five six in whatever order and then the other two of those teams hawks hornets knicks will probably end up seven eight which leaves two spots left for the play-in right and you've got the pacers bulls raptors wizards calves the way i see it is you know Everything over the last three seasons wants me to choose the Pacers and the Raptors for those two spots. In all reality, I feel like it could be the Bulls and the Wizards because I, I think the way they've revamped the rosters, the way they, you know, it slowly, low-key been getting better this season versus the Pacers and the Raptors who have been getting worse, it's, it's, it's just very concerning to me for those two teams because I think they're going in very weird directions. And I think the Raptors and Pacers should probably blow it up, even though I know the Pacers have stated that they don't want to do that ever, which is stupid. But if I had to pick, I'd probably go with the Bulls and the Wizards, which not seeing the Pacers and the Raptors even in the play-in is not something I would have believed in at the start of the season. But I don't know. That's Maybe it's just me trying to be different or whatever, but that's just what I've seen uh, as trends. Uh, over the course of the season so uh that's that's my thoughts so this is what i want i want the bulls in there i think the bulls are, are pretty good now I, I like their talent like that, that, i think they've 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 solidified a spot for me i want to see them in there and then i'm going to parse it like this because i can't really pick between the raptors and the wizards and this is this i'm going to throw this out there this i feel like this is unrealistic i don't even know if it's possible but i'm going to throw it out there anyway i'd rather see it be the wizards unless Canada decides that the Raptors can come home for the playoffs. If they decide it's fine, you can come home and play the playoffs here, then I would want to see it. Because I think that uh, like a huge part of this Raptors season has to be the effect of playing in Tampa, where it's like, I could get a ticket right now and go to Tampa and cheer for the Celtics. And I feel like that's what a lot of uh, you know, a lot of the situation has been for the Raptors for their quote-unquote home games. Like, you know, if you look at their record home versus away right now it's almost like the same it doesn't even matter for them like where they're playing so i am like i'm really interested in seeing i wonder if they could you know get a boost get the spark they kind of need if they just get to go back home play in canada and you know do that whole thing again and now that i look at it, i guess i was looking at the wrong thing their, their record is their record is much worse on, on the road uh they have like five more losses because they played five more games but even still like, I think they could get that huge boost from playing Canada. So if they can't, and playing finally in front of their home fans a little bit, if they're allowed in the arena, I don't know, that's a whole other hurdle to cross. I don't know, Canada's being very careful about it. But it's still two months away, and the vaccine's getting rolled out more and more now, so who knows. So I think that the Raptors could return to at least being, you know, at, at least see some sort of improvement if that were to happen. So if that's the case, I would rather see the Raptors in there. If not... I think I would want to see the Wizards in there over them. Yeah, that's a fair argument. I feel like playing in Tampa definitely has had an effect on the Raptors, especially because they're probably traveling more from that location because you, you think about all the teams they play. Uh, you know, Even if it's a small difference in travel, like they're playing in the same conference they would be in Toronto, except they're having to travel more to Boston, to New York, to all those places like Philly, and, and then travel everywhere else across the country. So overall, I think it's just... Yeah, Tough. and I, I know I know that wouldn't have any effect on the play-in because obviously they're not going to have any home games in that anyway, but like if they can, you know, get past that and then get into the playoffs, I think they could make, I don't know, I, they could at least be competitive. I don't think they'd win, they'd win a series, 
But I, I just think that with their playoff experience, with their team's playoff experience, they'd be uh, more fun to watch in there than, you know, than, you know, like definitely in the Cavs. I don't want to see the Cavs in there. But more fun to watch even than the Pacers. Like, I think. I want to see the Cavs in there. I like the Cavs. I love the Cavs. I think they're so fun to watch. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm weird. But I, I love watching the Cavaliers. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I, it's, it's not so much that as much as I just don't think they'd have any sort of chance. Like, I think they would get, even if they were. Uh, able to get in there it's very much deer in the headlights for Colin Sexton at any point like I think uh you know with Kyle Lowry Siakam you're not really going to get as much of that and they're going to kind of stand up to the level of competition even if they can't uh really compete with it this season um so I I still have some sort of faith in the Raptors to to be able to do that and I think if they you know again if they are able to to motivate themselves enough to get past the plan which you know depending on their matchup shouldn't be an issue like, I'd, I'd want to see them in there over the Pacers. I don't think the, the Pacers really don't uh, interest me much at all this season. I think they've they've really disappointed for, uh, you know, a lot of reasons. And I think that's also something Celtics fans should kind of be taking solace in, is that, like, this has been a weird season for everybody. And it's not just the Celtics. It's, like, the Heat, the Pacers, the Raptors, like, even the Wizards, if you want to throw them in there, even though they there's maybe more basketball reasons specifically why they're not good. But uh, even, you know, they've disappointed for what their talent is. Like, a lot of teams this season uh, have not had the years they've wanted to. And, you know, I think that has something to do with COVID. Now, at the same time, a lot of teams have, have played great in spite of it and overcome that. And, you know, you can throw that right back in anybody's face and say, well, these teams were able to do it, so you don't have an excuse, and that's fine. But I think that there's there's something to that a little bit of, of you know, these it's it just the fact that it's just how weird this whole year has been a hundred percent yeah i agree it's just an, a weird year overall and like you said you can say oh these teams aren't affected but celtics have had major injuries all season they've very rarely played with their full lineup they've had the least home games of any team in the nba or tied up until now and yes i am making excuses because i'm a celtics fan but <laughs> that's what you tuned in for so it's just there's room for improvement this year and next year for the Celtics. I, I do think the people who say they're not going to make the playoffs are panicking. Fair enough, but like they're, I think they'll be just fine with the way this team is constructed moving forward. And I, I'm not too too worried, especially about Evan Fournier. I think he'll be fine. But yeah, Celtics they'll be good. Yeah, I, I think I tweeted out last night that uh, this this year on lottery night will be the first year since like 2015 the Celtics will have no draft implications to watch for on lottery night and someone said they don't have their own pick and i was like oh boy that's uh you know i i, I i'm still uh hoping that it's safe to assume they're going to make the playoffs but yeah i mean even the one year they didn't have the lottery pick in there which was the year they drafted robert williams that year they had that lakers pick if it fell in the two to five range or two to four range i think so i think it was two to five so they were still even watching for that so every year they've had some sort of lottery thing to watch since like 2015 or 2014 whatever it is and that now this will be uh, or maybe it was actually 2016 because maybe it was yeah because I think what happened was that they made like the eight seed there with that and then Isaiah Thomas and beat the Cavs and they didn't have any, anything there but um, yeah either way it's been a while since since they haven't had something to watch for and uh, you know but uh, hopefully I think now we're all hoping that that's going to be the case this year yeah yeah like I said the Celtics are going to make the playoffs I think they have some upset potential I know I talked about this with Sam on from the Raptors the four seed is probably prime time for the Celtics because it means if Philly can stay in that one seed, then they'll be able to play them in the second round if they win rather than the Nets or Bucks. So look at that four seed if the Celtics prize possession this season. Yeah, a Celtics-Sixers matchup would be fantastic. I think in the NBA players, I think anybody would love to see that, especially with how much they've, they've faced off over the years and kind of the 
the, um, the just the rivalry that's kind of brewed. I know some people, you know, debating whether it's rivalry or not. It is. It's fun. It's a fun matchup to watch. So uh, I would definitely enjoy seeing that in the second round, even if the Sixers have a, a pretty sizable advantage there and they played so much better this season. I think the Sixers could would probably take that one. I mean, I'd probably pick them in the series, but who knows? You know, they, they Celtics have had uh, some success against that team over the years. So hopefully uh, they could there. But all right, Jack, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it as always. Guys, remember, head over to manscaped.com and use code WSSG. Save 20% off your order plus free shipping. We really appreciate it. It helps support the podcast. And we always uh, appreciate Manscaped for, for sponsoring us. So it would be nice if you guys could show them some love back and show them that, hey, uh, your, your sponsorship is working a little bit there. So you, you're sponsoring the right podcast. So I'd appreciate it if you guys could, could head over there and do that. Manscaped.co, code WSSG for 20% off your order. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening, guys. You can follow me on Twitter at ByKJoa. Follow Jack on Twitter at Jacks1NBA. Check out the pod on Twitter at WickedSmartPod. Check out everything over at Guy Boston Sports. And thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week.